whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and we're going to talk about the Freedom Report today with my guest, journalist Anne Vandersteel who many of you know from all of her years of dedicated work on the front to support freedom and truth and bring out the backstory that the mainstream media is not telling you. One of the reasons that we wanted to talk about this today, many of you have been hearing about the fact that the United States is in fact a corporation not the constitutional republic that our founders intended. And there's a lot of confusion about that. There's a lot of confusion about what is a U.S. citizen versus an American state national. And since it took me a while to figure out what all of this meant and do some background research on it, I figured the best thing to do to address the confusion that many listeners have written to ask us about is to bring an expert who actually has been researching and and looking into this for years and has also been through the process and is a current American state national who has been in and out of the United States just in the last year using her American state national version of the passport without a single problem coming through customs. So here to explain all of this is a wonderful colleague, friend, and investigative journalist, Ann Vandersteel. And I want to remind all of you, if you have not been following Operation Burning Edge, which is actually going to the U.S. border and down into Panama, the Darien Gap, and documenting video documentary reports on the invasion of the United States by floods of immigrants coming illegally. And this is all being orchestrated by the U.N., WEF, the World Health Organization, the Biden administration, and many nefarious powers in alignment with the long-term mission of the Communist Chinese Party. So Ann Vandersteel has been courageous in going directly to the border and down into Panama. You must follow her shows on all of that, working in 
collaboration with Dr. Peter Chambers, former Green Beret, and Michael Yawn, also a former Green Beret, and dedicated patriots trying to save America and our constitutional republic. And thank you for joining us today. So let's get started with what is the U.S. corporation and what's the difference between the republic and the corporation and a U.S. citizen versus an American state national? Dr. Vliet, thank you for having me and thank you for the promotion to colleague. I am uh, really grateful for that. I don't think I've ever been held in such high regards, but uh, as far as your question is concerned, yes, there is actually a difference between a U.S. citizen and an American national. And for your listening audience, if you have a U.S. passport, I would like you to, if you're not listening to this in live and you want to hit replay, hit pause and go get your passport. Because what I'm about to explain to you, you can see for yourself. When you open the passport book, your blue passport book, on that first page opposite uh, your picture, there is a paragraph. And it de- and it specifically shows you that uh, there is an actual true political class differentiation between citizen and national because the United States State Department, the United States government recognizes two separate political classes, one of U.S. citizen or one of national. Now, the difference between a U.S. citizen, Dr. Vliet, and a national is such that you are either part of the corporate United States or you are an American national. And it's recognized. It is put into print. It is on my U.S. passport, which was issued to me Cinco de Mayo 2022, May 5th of 2022, as a American national. I did not check U.S. citizen on my passport form, the DS-11 from which everybody must fill out when applying for a U.S. passport. So you don't have to be a citizen of the United States to get a U.S. passport and live in the United States and use that U.S. passport to come and go through customs. And I've documented that twice in the recent history, once going into the Bahamas, coming back, and this most recent trip on Operation Burning Edge, where I re-entered Miami from Panama going through the resident line, not a U.S. citizen line. There's multiple lines, but I went through the resident line and he literally looked at my passport and just let me go right on through. Didn't even check my luggage. So it it works. It's real. And there's more to talk about, but I'm just going to pause there to see if you have questions. No, I think that's very clear and very helpful. And I've had a U.S. passport since I turned 22 and I'm going to go and look at it for that very paragraph, because I I don't think I ever knew to pay attention to it. (laughs) Well, there's so much that we don't pay attention to, frankly, and that's what the globalists and the global corporations are actually banking on. There's a lot of similarity in language. What is legal is not lawful. What is lawful is not legal. And let me just give you a little bit of background information as to why I became an American state national, why this was even a thing that I wanted to look into. I was in Washington, D.C. from January 3rd to January 20th, and I saw everything that happened over those 17 days. And it was a horror show, frankly, to see our country uh, and the government that is formed by the states, because America is a union of 50 states that came together and said, sure, we will fund a federal government 
which is supposed to only have 17 essential services as dictated in our constitution and our founding parchment papers that are founding fathers who you know dedicated their lives their fortunes and their sacred honor and were prepared to die for right for us to have the ultimate in freedom from global tyranny from the globalists and uh what we saw that time was just like i said nothing short of a horror show where i realized we the people were not in control at all they've ignored us to the most recent escapade where finally matt gates representative from my home state of florida finally you know, put in a motion to vacate the speaker uh, and remove this globalist. And Matt even re referred to himself as a member of the board of directors. So I find that interesting that he referred to himself as a member of the board of directors when he's a U.S. congressman, which tells you he's really more of an employee, but he's on the board of something. So would that not be the corporation, which is what we now know as Washington, D.C.? And that was actually filed as the Congressional Act of 1871, establishing the 10 square miles of Washington, D.C. as the USDC, which is the all capital USDC, that is your corporate name. All corporations, Dr. Vliet, are always spelled in capital letters. And that's why your driver's license and your passport and any official documentation always refers to your all capital name because they are referring to you as a corporate fiction of yourself. That's the only way the federal government can contract with you. Corporations can only contract with corporations. They can't contract with people. So there's a corporate fiction of yourself that's created based on the, uh, the codes and statutes and laws that were passed. So let me rewind to how they got here. I just told you in 1871, right after the Civil War, the United States was incorporated. That's the 10 square miles. Uh, that same year, the Bar Association was also founded, which I find very interesting. That's your British accredited registry. That's where your attorneys and lawyers uh, have a membership, their dues payers into this organization. Uh, prior to that, right at the end of the Civil War in 1868, when, as I like to say, the band was trying to get the, you know, the, the band back together again, sort of the union wanted to bring all the states back under the umbrella. They decided the best way to do it, instead of just being a union of states where each state was sovereign and an independent nation state like Europe used to be before the EU, they wanted to um, some people in the union, which were really traitors to the, uh, the the Republic of America. They were really more British aristocracy. Uh, they leaned in that favor. They decided to bring everybody under the umbrella of the United States. And uh, the problem with that was 41% of the states, and this is well documented, all said, no, thank you. We don't want to be a brand of the United States. We want to be Virginia or New York or New Jersey or whatever. Ultimately, the pressure was so great, Dr. Lee, that they finally boiled down to just New Jersey and Ohio holding out. The pressure was immense. And under duress, they went ahead and, quotes, ratified the 14th Amendment giving everybody the title of U.S. citizen and making you a member of the United States, therefore stripping our right as electors, as American electors, electing our public servants from the point up, up until 1868 into citizen voters. And they did this under the guise of, oh, you're a U.S. citizen. You've now exchanged your rights, as enumerated by the Bill of Rights, for the privilege of being a U.S. citizen to receive Social Security. Ultimately, that came later. Uh, the right to vote, uh, and of course, all the other benefits, welfare, et cetera, that the government hands out, which you and I both know are widely bankrupt and underfunded. 
So, and of course they're being administered to anybody and everybody coming across the border right now to wit, people are getting paid $2,200 a month as an illegal alien in this country, more than most social security uh, checks that are issued to Americans who pay taxes for the last 40 or 50 years. So that is- Actually, that's several hundred dollars more than my husband's social security payments at the end of his life. And he had worked for his entire life. There you go. In the United States. Yeah. And, and again, this is this is probably for some of your listeners, this is going to be shocking news. It is all verifiable. You can do the research and look up how much these illegal aliens are getting paid. It's documented. Uh, but again, when people, for instance, talk about Barack Obama, he wasn't a U.S. citizen, all of that out there to what I say, does it really matter when you are running a corporation? Do you need to have, unless of course it's by the, you know, do you need to have a a citizen of a country be a president of a corporation? It doesn't matter. This was a, you know, the United States is a corporation. America is a constitutional republic. And so the 14th Amendment split our country into basically two entities, one of a constitutional republic known as America, two as a legislative democracy known as the United States. And that applied to the 10 square miles of the federal government. So when Nancy Pelosi says they, meaning we, the people, are a threat to their democracy, she's right. And ostensibly she is right, Dr. Vliet, because we're a constitutional republic and we stand on the common law of the land. They stand over an admiralty court in a commercial court because they're a corporation and their rules, codes and statutes and mandates apply to them. But what they've done is they've taken the rules for thee and applied them to me. And I don't stand over there. I don't work in D.C. I am not a member of that corporation. I'm a free American over here. So what I did was establish myself as a free American using the common law affidavit process where I uh, you know, filled out my list of grievances, why I was leaving the United States. I was you know, basically putting together my affidavit um, and, uh, and, uh, and revocation, affidavit and repudiation and revocation of my citizenry and submitting that to the members uh, at the highest levels of the federal government, including my state government, as well as the government where I was born, including the secretary of state. Uh, acknowledging all of this, that I am now retracting my membership in this corporation and I am absolving myself of all of that and restoring my name through my deed of reconveyance, which is changing my all caps name back into my upper and lower case name to reflect myself as a free people standing on the law of the land and not a corporate fiction engaging in their admiralty commercial law because they're a corporation. So that's essentially what I did. And I live my life as a as a free woman now. And it, what was interesting, Dr. Vliet, is I had been hassled by an agency of the government. And you and I all, I think your listeners know that none of these agencies were ever founded by our constitution. They're not part of the founding documents. They're all a corporate fiction, all, non, all for-profit agencies, including the CDC, the FDA, the DOD, the Department of State, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, all of it. It's all corporate fiction for-profit agencies that were never um, supposed to have been erected. So I have um, distanced myself from these. And once my certificate, or should I say my uh, correction of status was processed, I was released by an agency known as Department of Homeland Security who had been harassing me for 18 months. 
uh, and they claimed that I was no longer a uh, low security risk. And so they revoked my TSA privileges and put me on this list called Quad S, four S's on my ticket. And it was a, a real um, harassment and time uh, management issue for me because I was traveling on six flights a week and I would be uh, invasively searched by the TSA for every single flight, no matter if I changed planes or not. So, but they couldn't do I it anymore. I not once heard I came of, out of this. that. Yeah. So I had not heard of the quad S designation on ticket. I had the uh, global entry and the TSA pre-check always, but I've not traveled in the last three years, not just because of COVID because of other circumstances, but sure. The that's very that's very interesting. So once you became an American state national, then you were no longer subject to such invasive intrusion into your travel process by TSA. It, it would appear mm-hmm. as such because I had been released and it was about 180 days for which the federal government, because the, the, the size of that bureaucracy is so immense and there are so many systems and uh, that don't talk to one another. Uh, you know, you would think they would be all on the same exact platform so that when you changed my name at uh, the Social Security office, it would just infiltrate and just populate and distribute all across all agencies, right? No, it doesn't happen like that. Uh, they're very antiquated and very monolithic and bureaucratic, and they move very slowly. So they have a lot of themselves 180 days to reflect any changes in your status. And so you know, I think they just took their sweet time to get it all the way down to the Department of Homeland Security because they didn't like the fact that I was cataloging what happened in January 6th. I was outside the Capitol and saw it all with my own eyes. And we put a lot of information out there, including stuff with Colonel Phil Waldron on the uh, election integrity and the theft of the election, very high level, very detailed reporting. These are people that come from the intelligence community that are the good guys. And they didn't like that either. My name has been in a few Dominion lawsuits, not as a respondent yet, but as men, as somebody who was mentioned as a platform that was distributing the people they're suing uh, their information. So clearly I, they saw me as a threat to their democracy as someone who was just putting out the truth and making a platform available for the truth. So I think that they took their time to make sure that that uh, population of my and, and uh, you know, recognition of my name change and my status, I should say my, my, uh, st- my you know, correction of my status just took a little bit longer to get through the TSA just to hassle me just a little bit more. Well, that is, this is a, a new dimension of it that I didn't realize. The, you know, it has made me, it just drives me like fingernails scratching on chalkboard. I'm so irritated when people refer to us as a democracy, and I keep wanting to scream at the TV, we are not a democracy. Democracy is mob rule. We are a constitutional republic. But I did not appreciate the distinction that you just made, that it's the United States corporation that is a democracy, which is mob rule. And it's the wrong mob and rule. Exactly. <laughs> it's the wrong I mean, mob. You right. know the saying attributed to Benjamin Franklin. What's the difference between a republic and a democracy, he was asked. And he said, democracy is two wolves and a lamb sitting down deciding to vote on who, what, what to have for lunch. Yeah. Basically, a he's republic, right. 
is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, fortunately, I think most Americans still understand and appreciate that. And uh, I think when push comes to shove, we will live by that, which is the only reason that you and I even exist on a platform today and we're still allowed to speak, even though we're heavily censored by the Silicon Valley speech cartel. Uh, The fact that we still are the well-armed lamb and we will contest (laughs) it all (laughs) is is what's keeping this conversation alive. And we hope we can inspire, wake up enough people, particularly in the younger generation, to understand the difference. Because what I just explained to you, you will not find in any history book, any civics book, any textbook anywhere. You have to go and dig for this information. And I've been very blessed being in the position I'm in to get a lot of this presented to me that I could go and quote, fact check myself with other sources. So, uh, you know, and this is why I'm compelled to talk about this because I feel like people just need to know. And on that same note, I want to just posit this to you. You know, federal grand juries are are summoned and convened. Okay, this happens. It's not an unregular occurrence. It's quite regular, in fact. Uh, But the problem is the jurors don't really understand that all of the power rests with them much more than the judge. They are, they are the, you know, alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, it all goes back to the federal grand jury. They have the, or any grand jury for that matter, doesn't have to be federal. They can review all the evidence, but here's the part they don't know. They can decide to investigate anybody, including the federal prosecutor that convened them. So like in president Trump's case, for instance, or anybody's case that feels that they're being unduly prosecuted and pursued and attacked, right? Well, let's look at the partisanship of that prosecutor. Do we need to investigate the prosecutor? Let's look and go and do our, and the grand jury can go do their own digging, gather their own evidence. It doesn't have to be presented third party outside. So I think the jurors need to be very circumspect about the people who are convening them and to what end is there a political agenda? And I think that should be first and foremost in every juror's mind when they are convened, is the convening party do they have a political ax to grind? What is really going on here? And do your diligence on the person convening the grand jury first before you start looking at all of the evidence, because that might tell you a story that is not being told and the evidence can be misleading. You know, I dare say most people called to serve on a federal grand jury. I dare say they don't know that. No, they don't. It's never told. Well, there certainly does need to be investigation of these current federal prosecutors that are going on political witch hunts. Correct. Uh, And that's, again, we only have to use our eyes, Dr. Vliet, and look around. Um, You know, I think you asked me, why would I do this? Why would I become a state national? Well, it isn't about getting out of paying income taxes, even though free people do not pay income taxes. Again, the 16th Amendment applies to the corporation. And if you're a If you are a corporate fiction and you have not corrected your status, you are considered part of the corporation as a U.S. citizen. So you are subject to that that unlawful law. uh, Right. It's it's an unlawful law, but it is what it is. Uh, So what what happened with your when once you became an American state national, what is then your responsibility to the IRS? My responsibility rested in the forms that they provide. They actually will give you a remedy. There's a form called Form 56. It is the uh, benefit. It's a form of you know your beneficiary form. It's your. Um, I'm going to give you the exact title. What it is? If you just Google Form 56, although this is IRS not- Form 56. Yep. 
IRS form 56. I'm going to pull it up right now. I was going to pull up my redacted one. Notice concerning fiduciary relationship is the actual form. And it's the it's the notification to the IRS of the creation or termination of a fiduciary relationship under section blah, blah, blah. But in this form, you actually, as, as a state national, and you've corrected your status, and to correct your status, there is, you know, as I said, there's, you know, paperwork that you would fill out um, and submit to a variety of people. You send them a package of everything, this affidavit of repudiation and revocation of citizenship. You uh, send them a, date, a deed of reconveyance showing that you're changing your name. So all the different names they've ever referred to. And, you know, when you Google your name or you search your name, there's all these different spellings and Sometimes they add your maiden name in, they don't, whatever. Um, you add all those in there, you say, no, I'm only going by Ann Vandersteel, and this is how I'm spelling it. Then there's, of course, uh, your declaration of status. Your, and then, of course, there's the, um, you send them a cover sheet showing all the paperwork that's in there. Once you get that back, or once that has been submitted, you wait 21 days, and you will send, submit this under um, return receipt. You'll get your receipt back, and you'll see the receipt has been stamped and signed by whoever received it at whatever department you send your paperwork. You'll wait 21 days, and once that 21 days has passed, you will then file a judgment of unrebutted affidavits, meaning that your affidavits were submitted and nobody said boo about it. They didn't dispute. They didn't say, oh, no, Dr. Vlee, you can't rebuke your, revoke your citizenship. That's an unrebutted affidavit. You file a summary judgment for that along and you, everything is notarized and you go to your county clerk with all of your paperwork that you submitted copies of it and the unrebutted summary judgment notarized and they record it at the clerk's office. It's a very simple procedure. Once that's done, you are considered a national. Now the next step is to get your passport. So you would make an appointment for a one day turnaround service because that's the most effective way to go in with your paperwork in your hand, show them this, fill out their DS-11, not checking the US citizen box and getting your passport submitted that same day. So it's not complicated, but it is, you know, it just requires you to do a little bit of, you know, heavy lifting. So. That's that. Do you have a, by any chance, a stepwise guide? that you've put together? There are several places. I have not been the person to do all that, but there is statenational.us is a great website. They have- Reliable. An, reliable. Oh yeah, I know the people. They're very good. Statenational.us. Um, there's also an, on that statenational.us, they have a study guide, an American ASN study guide, American State National Study Guide. Wonderful group of people. But you can find those forms there. There's always uh, incredible resources of people that want to help. But to get through that initial hurdle, it's a matter of submitting all these affidavits, revoking your citizenship, correcting your status and the spelling of your name, and then getting your passport. And that's step one. Um, step two would be uh, the revocation of election to the IRS along with the form 56 showing that you have now changed your name and retired that social security number and that, you know, entity that was your corporate self. And you are the executor and beneficiary of that corporate entity, which basically says you're revoking this back to your date of birth. And Genesis um, is, is really the, the, the source document that you're citing. And why do I say that? Because God gave man dominion over the water the air and the land. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yes. And our constitution invokes our creator's name four times. Our founding father's papers invoke our creator's names four times. There's a reason for that because the Bible is the ultimate law book. 
So the devil would have you see the reverse, right? Lawful and legal. So the legal would be law, L-A-W, land, air, water. That is your founding, that is your, that is your, uh, your your law book right there the land the air the water that's who he gave his dominion over so ergo that's what i cite in my revocation or excuse me in my uh, uh notice concerning fiduciary relationships i'm citing that as my source document and the only taxes that free people pay are that of sales and tariff and you acknowledge that on this form and you say look this relationship is terminated, affected my date of birth, which means technically the IRS should give you a refund if you've been paying taxes all those years. But again, Dr. Vliet, I look at this as um, like college. How many kids went through college and never studied, never, you know, studied a major and then never worked in that sphere? Those parents paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach little Jimmy humanities or whatever. And little Jimmy's over there, you know, as, as, as a social media guru, right? And he's making a killing over there. But that education was a waste of money. So right. Um, essentially, right? It was it was a great four years of partying or whatever the heck happened. I'm not saying that happens with every college kid, but I think parents can identify with that, right? So this is the way I look at it. We were miseducated. Our parents were miseducated. We were all made for fools. And our parents just, when, they, when we were born said, oh, yep, you need a social security number and a birth certificate. And they had no idea that what they were doing was they were entering you right into the debt slavery system. And the US government is part of that whole debt slavery system, just as is the Federal Reserve, which is the international banking cartel. It's not the treasury. The treasury is, is right there in our constitution. The Federal Reserve was never mentioned. That was passed in 1913, again, in the debt. Let's of talk a bit more about that in the second half. Okay. I definitely want to come back to that. And we, we will, before we wrap up, everyone, we, we will run back through the key elements of this process and the websites that Anne recommends that she feels are reliable and that you can trust the information. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report, today's Freedom Report with Anne Vandersteel and discussing the process of becoming an American state national of free American. And check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Download our vaccine injury treatment guide. Download our fact sheet on hemorrhagic fevers. Download the COVID early treatment guide. And soon coming out is our radiation injury treatment guide. Lots of tips. And also check out the brand new Truth for Health store with exclusive professional formulas that we have researched and designed to meet the needs of these emerging threats and to do so in a cost-effective way with products that are manufactured actually in an inspected good manufacturing practices compliant facility, which is rare in the supplement market. So check us out, sign up for our email alerts, and if you're able, donate to support our We the People public charity. We'll be right back after the break. This message is from the Truth for Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate, many of them losing their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating constitutional rights of service members. 
Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report, and this is the Freedom Report, Becoming a Free American, Exiting the Corporation USA, with my guest, Ann Vandersteel, a free American, an American state national, and she has some interesting descriptors in her email signature relative to her new status. And I'd like her to share that with you. And then we'll come back to talking just a bit more about what really is the Federal Reserve and why do you need to understand it isn't what it appears. This is Dr. Lee for America with my guest, Ann Vandersteel. So, Ann, tell us what the designations are that you have in your email signature and what that means. Sure. So I signed my name after I've corrected my status and uh, corrected the actual spelling of my name so that I'm no longer corporate fiction in all caps to upper lowercase Anne with a semicolon behind my name and then a period in front of Vandersteel with a capital V and lowercase the rest of the spelling. And the reason I do that, that's parse syntax language. That really is to make sure that anybody that wants to, uh, uh, use my name. I am not corporate fiction. It is not um, another sort of facsimile of the way the government has spelled your name in the past, because this has never been used before. So this is my spelling of my name. Um, and I use it when I'm signing mostly official doc, not mostly, but official documents. And I don't sign. The language is very clear. When you have a sig nature, you are surrendering your your nature, your life. So I autograph because I am alive. I'm a living free woman, and I sign and I autograph my name versus sign my name as opposed to giving my life away and surrendering to whatever that authority is. I work in collaboration as opposed to surrendering, which is why you never use the words understand especially if you're talking to an officer or a police officer, policy enforcer, or a member of the court, because that means you are, they stand above you. So you comprehend, you comprehend, you don't understand language and diction. It's very critical jurists and diction, the three areas of the law and the language that you use really do set you up for success or disaster, depending on your mastery of both. So um, you'll notice on my signature line uh, that I have myself as a woman, a living soul, sui jure, jus soli, without prejudice, without recourse, and that all rights are guaranteed and retained. And I basically put out what's known as a UCC 1308 so that people know that all rights are reserved and that notice to agents is also notice to principal, notice to principal, notice to agents. So there's that is my sort of blanket coverage to let people know. I'm in control of my jurist and my diction and that my rights are reserved no matter what I am autographing. I reserve all of my rights as a free woman. Wow. That, that is really an extraordinarily interesting explanation. 
I had not fully understood the significance of all that you that I see when I get emails from you. So <laughs> I'm really I'm really glad to better understand it. And your explanation of what the words mean is also really helpful. Well, words have meaning. And the, the problem that we face, Dr. Vleet, is that people too often don't comprehend what it is they're saying or what it is they are autographing or signing. They're giving their life away. And that's what the corporation expects you to do. You know, your banking system, your bank, your Bank of America, Chase, whoever you bank with, they really are just part of the global government. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Constitution was very clear when it came to how we are supposed to operate with money versus what we have set up today. And sadly enough, you know, our Constitution very clearly says that the, the Treasury, our government, cannot make anything but gold and silver coin as a tender in payment of debts. So what do we have today? We have a Federal Reserve note that was not printed by the treasury. It's printed by an independent bank that's neither federal. It's not even part of the government and there's no reserves. So it's pretty much bankrupt. They just print money when they need it. And um, they are there that bet that note is not backed by anything. It's a federal reserve debt instrument and people are paying their mortgages, which are debts with debt instruments, which is fraud. You cannot pay a debt with a debt. Yet we allow this to go on day in and day out under the full faith and credit of the United States because people just believe, oh, the U.S., everybody wants to be here. They're all mass immigrating here because they're you know, looking for a better way of life. But at the end of the day, we're a nation who isn't really a republic at all. You know, We're virtually bankrupt, $33 trillion in debt right now. So uh, people- well, that's really true. Uh, I mean, right? it is just beyond comprehension. And, and the more that they print money, the more they decrease the value of the money people think they have. Right, right. Now, so what happens with, for example, paying your mortgage and having a bank account? How do you handle all of that? Well, uh, that's a great question. So you can, in fact, as a state national, um, you can actually set yourself up in the banking system. You can actually have a driver's license. I actually do have a driver's license, although my license is depicted. I, I was very clear because it expired. I went to get a new one. Um, but it basically is, I was very clear that I'm not a U.S. citizen. So I'm not part of their jurisdiction, if you will. The reason you have a driver's license is for commercial driving vehicles. So as a free woman, the Constitution, excuse me, the Supreme Court has at least 200 precedent cases that come before and have been set in stone, meaning there are precedent that you do not need a driver's license. You do not need to contract with your state corporate agency to attain a driver's license in order to travel in your personal capacity in your private automobile. If you are contracting with the Department of Motor Vehicles, Dr. Vliet, you are in fact contracting with a corporation. Ergo, you are saying I'm using my I'm using this ability to contract with you for commercial reasons, for corporate reasons. And that would be not for free, you know, free, free personal reasons or in your personal capacity. So that's the reason why driver's licenses. And like I said, there's 200 Supreme Court cases that define this. I keep a copy of all of these in my glove box and I 
am ready to and prepare to discuss this with a police officer on the side of the road if he pulls me over for what he considers to be an infraction of whatever policy he's trying to enforce. The big difference is, you know, speeding, rolling of stop signs, unless you run somebody over, there's no victim. All you're doing is breaking their policy. But if you are not part of their jurisdiction and you're traveling in your personal capacity, they don't have jurisdiction over you. So these are the That's fascinating subtle, subtle nuances, <laughs> Dr. Vliet. <laughs> have you ever had to test it with being pulled over? No, and I'm not, I, you know, it's funny. I haven't because um, I don't ordinarily overly speed anyway, but I'm actually prepared to do it. And one of the things I'm well aware of, because a lot of the police officers are just not educated on the law of the land, they are sent out as policy enforcers for the municipality in which they work, is that you don't want to adjudicate this and hold court on the side of the road and argue with an officer because they may be agitated, having a bad day at work, had a fight with their spouse, and you know they may decide to layer on a bunch of other stuff that at the end of the day, you're going to go into court with your you know, case precedent setting law and say, here you go, your honor, this is why what I did was not unconstitutional. This is why I'm operating in my personal capacity. And you cite the law and you adjudicate it there. This does not need to be something where you can end up in a situation where they're going to forcibly kidnap you under the guise of an arrest because you're considered to be argumentative with a police officer. Actually, that's, that's really smart. You just take the ticket and say, thank you, officer, and appear in court. You appear in court and you adjudicate it there. And a lot of times the cops don't show up to the court, so it gets tossed anyway. That's always your best uh, best avenue. But you don't contract with them. I don't sign anything. I don't, I, I know I, I will put a red line through that ticket and I will autograph my name saying, I do not contract with you on this and I'll see you in court. And that's essentially, I'm not agreeing to their contract. By you signing a ticket, you've agreed to whatever infraction they say you've done. So now you're either going to, pay your attorney or you're going to go through some, you know, driving school or whatever it is online, however you do it to get out of it. But instead you can constitutionally fight this and the case precedents are set. That's fascinating. Do you have a, a resource link to the documents you carry in your glove box? Um, um, for example, I carry medical records so that if I'm in an accident, I have a typed history of the medicines I'm on and the medical history, the things that an emergency responder would need to know. And I've always traveled with that in the car, on planes, overseas, for myself and my husband. But I hadn't thought about something like this. So if you have the kind of document that you've made and you want to share that with others, we'll post it with the show. You know what? I will send you the file. How is that? I don't have I don't have it up on a website, but I'm sure somebody in my sphere does. So if I can find that link, I'll send you a link. But I will send you the document that has all the cases, the Supreme Court cases in it that I have for me that I keep. Well, that, that'll be great. And I'll make a PDF and we'll post it and share great. it. Absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. It was shared with me. And so um, I'm in the process of revamping my website. And uh, those are the kind of resources I would like to have. But as I've said, I go to, I allow people who are really experts at what they do to aggregate that content on their websites. And I'm always happy to redirect people to the, what I would consider to be the real experts where I've learned lots from, as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel. 
We've got so oh, many. absolutely. No, <laughs> I, I'm going to link to the um, resource that you suggested, statenational.us, right. and refer people there. But in the show notes for just this radio show, I usually link some of the supporting documents that that the person has referred to during the show. Right. And if you go to the statenational.us, right at the very front of their website, they'll ask you, are you a citizen or a state national? And if you're interested in getting your paperwork auto-generated, there is actually an auto-generated freedom bundle there you can pay. You don't have to pay anything. There's plenty of resources where all of those those bundles, the, the freedom paperwork is there. But this is if you are really trying to expedite this, my my statement with that, frankly, Dr. Valid, is this. If juris and diction are incredibly important, meaning that you're, the language you use and the uh, area the, the area of the law in which you stand, are you standing on the land of the you know law of the land, the Constitution, or are you an admiralty, are you doing business, or ecclesiastical, the land of the law of the air, right? Your trust law. You have to know your juris and diction, and if you don't know who you are and can't define what a state national is, you won't be able to defend yourself in any situation. If they're coming at you unconstitutionally, you won't understand the question and you won't know how to defend yourself. So you really have to take this as a research project to understand the history, how this happened to us, what's the difference between a citizen and a person and a, and a free people. Um, you've, you've got to understand these things. So that's, that's good advice. Similar yeah. to the advice I give patients in medicine. You right. need to understand what's happening to your body Correct. and- what we can do to monitor it and what we can do to help improve your health. It's right. a process and it's not just a quick fix here, take this pill. No, 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 no. There's a domino effect, right? A chain reaction in certain instances when you have too much of one thing and you perhaps bruise or bleed out or what have you. <laughs> exactly right. <So>. Too many <laughs> anticoagulants definitely can make you bleed. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not in a good way. Not so. a good thing. You don't want bleeding in the brain or other critical parts of the body exactly exactly so well i i i really think this is extraordinarily helpful and i i will post some supporting information so that people can look this up and those who would like to pursue it will at least know where to turn for reliable help which i think is a mission you and i both feel very strongly about there are too many people pushing too many deceptions and trying to sell too many products for profit and not necessarily all about helping the people that are buying them. And you and I have made our dedicated commitment to try and do our best to provide people with reliable, truthful, and sound advice on many fronts. Correct. And medical and other. That's right. Well, and Dr. Vliet, you've been a stalwart in this, in this fight for a long time and you really don't deviate and your level of integrity, uh, ethics and morals are unmatched out there. And I appreciate that. It's an, it's an honor. Like I said, when you called me a colleague, I went, wow, I just got a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) No, you, you are, we, we definitely are. And you know, we're, we're here to collaborate and help you in all that you're doing. We, we were sending out the uh, notices about Operation Burning Edge all through your August and early yeah. September exposés. And I, I, I just 
your courage in being a being willing to go into the belly of the beast directly is is impressive and i'm i'm honored to be your colleague and hopefully friend and missionary for truth how's that amen i love that that's a wonderful title i'll take it okay thank you for joining us today and thank you all of our listeners we appreciate your sharing our programs sharing our resources and sign up for our email alerts be part of the solution and get loud with your voice standing against evil remember the words of dietrich bonhoeffer from World War II as a Lutheran pastor who said silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. So speak, act, and join our crusade. We were the voiceless. We are silent no more. <laughs>